the more that you step into really like deliberate creation in your life and deliberate focus, like you're absolutely going to get thoughts of doubt and thoughts of fear and thoughts of negativity. And actually they'll be really strong because as you train the mind and begin to shift that power position of ego to the servant and you as the master, that ego will push, it will push back, it will fight, it will push back and it will get strong. Like it will seem like it's getting stronger and stronger. So the challenges do get big, but you're ready for them. If you're constantly ebbing and flowing with all or nothing, you're kind of, I would assume you're in a state of like, I want this, I want this, but I can't do it. I, can't do it. I want this. And so you got this inner inner turmoil going on and that's creating stress, a level of stress in your life. So ask yourself if it's something you really want. Maybe it's not something you want. Maybe it's something you think you want. But in reality, you kind of like the way that life is rolling out for you. And, and that's okay too, is my point. Give yourself a break. Like you don't have to be forcing yourself into a situation um, that doesn't feel comfortable. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm here with Beach and Clark. This is our monthly Osho, August 2022. And geez, a lot has happened since the last time we recorded, which was before, I think we recorded last time, right before we were going to Oregon, 70.3. And of course, we did the SmackDown and we launched that super successful race all uh, all around for everybody who raced it on the team. Um a little extra shout out there to Chris who got double world's qualification. That was amazing. And um, it's a pretty cool trend right now that's happening. You know, I remember way back when being like, maybe someday we could get hats, you know, like that say Yogi Triathlete. And now it seems that every time the team shows up to an Ironman event, we're getting world's qualifications. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. And I think it's a testament to the athletes and the team and the the ethos of Yogi Triathlete. And, you know, um, to piggyback on what Ironman says, you know, what we do here at Yogi Triathlete is we really assist you in getting in touch with that energy where anything is possible. Yeah, that commitment to belief. You know, yeah. you believe it can happen. And I think the same thing with Yogi Triathlete, it's just patience. Oh. You know, you got to keep watering it, the seeds, keep watering the seeds, keep watering the seeds. Some plants grow faster than other plants. So you just got to, you got to go experience it. You have to be willing to not push an agenda and instead uh, have um, oh, easeful efforting, easeful efforting, continually... Oh moving forward but ease easing your way through it doesn't have to be that that grit um it can be easeful efforting oh i like that um and one of the things i like about that the most is that as we're getting ready to actually launch an awake the awake athlete website i pulled a whole bunch of i think we've got maybe about 10 hopefully all 10 can go up there guided meditations for for people to practice free and um, just to get a taste of um, stepping into that energy when every, anything is possible. And one of the meditations that I pulled, and these come from the Awake Athlete community on Patreon, is about easeful efforting. Hmm. Yeah. Did you actually say that? 
Yeah, I can't remember the exact name of it, Man, but we, it's yeah. We like we like yeah. so quarter of a century. I probably baby. didn't even. I probably heard you say it years ago, and now it's like sinking in. Oh, useful efforting. Oh, I'm gonna. That's my idea. Yeah, and it's um when I just because I always write a little synops when I I put up the meditations in in the community, and it's about it's really like a meditation for if there's something in your life that's just like really sucking the energy and it's like it just feels like so much effort this is a perfect meditation to start to move into you know what that easeful efforting is and as I sit here and I look at this plant that's off to your left um I was just noticing how huge it is like it's getting so tall and all I do every day or not every day but like like I come down in the morning and I have a little bit of water left in my glass and I water the plants and I'm looking at that now, but I'm not sitting by it and I'm like not micromanaging it and I'm not like, oh my God, when's it going to, you know, spread off a new piece of life and when's that going to grow? And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the fruits of just pouring a little bit of water in there and being kind to it and wiping the dust off it. And there's so much new life in there and it's it's just amazing. So that is no different than us watering our seeds. It's just Every thought is like, it's a packet of potential. And so what are we watering, right? Like those are all seeds. And so um, it doesn't mean like you can't have negative thoughts. You you might have those, you might have fearful thoughts, you might have doubtful thoughts and all of that stuff, but are you going to water them? And I think that that's uh, what, what, what I hope that we're really bringing to the endurance sports world is this... This it's not new because it's ancient, but new to endurance sports, this new way of training the mind where we're really sitting in this place of power and we're saying like, I don't need to water those seeds. I'm going to water the seeds that I want. And I think such a, a force behind Yogi Triathlete is just the observation that I've seen and I actually just talked to a new athlete just last week that we started working together who was blown away that training the mind isn't about just pushing through hard workouts. And that's necessary. Let me tell you, you need that. But that's a very small percentage and it's a lot of effort and it's not sustainable, but it works when you need it. Um, but to be in control of what you're watering in your life, that's amazing. Yeah. Purposefully, purposefully watering those seeds that you want and not watering the seeds that you don't. Yeah. And in fact, the more that you step into really like deliberate creation in your life and deliberate focus, like you're absolutely going to get thoughts of doubt and thoughts of fear and thoughts of negativity. And actually they'll be really strong because as you train the mind and begin to shift that power position of ego to the servant and you as the master, that ego will push. It will push back. It will fight. It will push back and it will get strong. Like it will seem like it's getting stronger and stronger. So the challenges do get big, but you're ready for them. And this is why, this is why your default needs to be really rewired. Your default needs to be the baseline, meaning when the ego steps in and all the doubt and all of that creeps in, it's gonna re- it's gonna resort to the, you know, the fast track, the least resistance way. So if your least resistance way is always to not do the workout, then that's what you're gonna keep 
doing. Whereas if you start to incorporate a different default, where the default is like, oh my God, like getting home last night from Big Bear, I knew 30 minutes on the bike would benefit me. Does the data show it? Does my watch show it? Does my fitness in six months or from now or two years ago, like, does that all matter? No, it just, my default is I know that moving the body after travel will benefit me in my spirit, my attitude, and how I approach the next day. Mm. It checks the box. It's, It's just a 30 minute ride. You would look at it like, what does it matter? It does matter. So when I'm so back to the default, the default is I know that this is uh, this is this is good for me. Same thing with your ride today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we'll get into Big Bear, and I think we'll probably inevitably get into consistency. Um, so, but um, but yeah. So last time we recorded was early July, and we've since done Oregon, and then we've since you've gone to Ironman Lake Placid. I went back east. I co-hosted a retreat in Rhode Island. Um, That's always amazing. Like we both had family time, which I think it might be nice to just pause here and talk about navigating family time because there's such deep roots and there's so much love there. Um, But there's also a lot of buttons that get pushed. And you had short family time, 24 hours, not even. Not even. How'd that go? Your family's they're oh, just they're amazing. They're so yeah, amazing. They're, it's, they're so it's just it's a it's a family that is like just gives, gives, gives. You know, just gives and gives and gives of themselves <laughs> in every facet of the word. Um and personally, I you know, I've had to work through this. I've had to work through it, you know, with Meditator Bob of you know, working through my relationship with going home. And you know, at times I, I wasn't strong enough to go home and to work through that without bringing my baggage of judgment and um, what I believed was the right way and they're doing it the wrong way. You know, like leave that at home. And until I was ready for that, it was tough for me to go home. Did you, do you feel like there was, have you ever had like guilt? Like I'm way out here, like guilt or like you're living a selfish life or was there any of that ever you think? I've never even thought about that until just now. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. I don't feel guilty. Um, I feel like your family has has this amazing, and this is so your mom um, ability to to just like it's the welcome home, right? It's it's like always just welcoming. Yeah. Whether you're family, whether you're a neighbor, whether you're somebody else's neighbor, like they'll just welcome you no matter what. And the unconditional love that flows through your family is so amazing. But you're, you have found a lifestyle that works really well for you that doesn't, that doesn't look in the physical sense like the lifestyle that your family lives. However, at the base of it is a really strong work ethic. Yeah. Above all, like my dad, like unbelievable work, like, <laughs> like just be so, um, be so vested in the effort and the work to complete the job or to help somebody out. Um, 
And even when that job is done, it's like, what's the next job? So as a kid, I was, I was working job, I was working three, four jobs at a times. I would, I, even if I got to play with friends, I'd have to come home and do job, do work like around the house. Like it was always about working hard. And that came from my dad. My mom worked hard too, but my dad really is like, he puts his head down, he gets to it. Um, and to this day, he's still doing it at 68. I think, I think he's 68, 67 years old, older. 74? I think he's six in the 60s at all. I think he's well into his 70s. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> however. However old he is. Um, he still works hard. That means he's like 18 years older than you. No, that would be too, oh, you know. We should know I should not do math. But yeah, like, <laughs> yeah maybe he is. I think maybe. he's 70 in his 70s. Yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah, he works. he works hard to this day. Um, he's actually redoing the front porch of our house, um, which is no shock. Just because. Just because. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I did take a different path, and I think it it it, weigh, it weighed on me because I, I I saw how much there is of the world to see, and I wanted the rest of my family to see it too. And when that didn't happen, I felt like I I got to keep forcing pushing pushing the agenda like. I'm doing it the right way. You guys are doing it the wrong way. And until I got to that point where I could just leave that at home, leave it here, and I can just go home and be in appreciation and love and contentment with who they are, then then things shifted. And that's what I've done actually the past two times. So yeah, it was a quick trip. I wasn't even going to go see them, you know, to be honest. Like I was going to fly into Boston and then get the placid, you know, just zoom down. But my family is an hour south of Boston. So uh, I, my bro, this is so amazing. Quick story. My youngest brother picks me up at, uh, five o'clock in the morning, all the way from <laughs> Port, Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Um, he's a firefighter, picks me up, brings me to my dad's house. I, I stay with my dad for a bit. He drives me down to go see my other brother who's working in Newport, um, at a shipyard. So I get to see that brother. And then we drove to see, um, my, my niece and nephew. Um, and then, we drove back to my dad's, and my other brother came in from Fall River um, with his kids, and so I got to see all all my family except my sister up in up in New Hampshire. Um, and then the following morning, that brother, the other brother in Fall River, drove me to go meet Billy Hafferty up in um, Newton, Mass, to go take a yoga class at six a.m. So we had to wake up and leave at four thirty, and he did it. So this just shows you how how committed they are to, you know, whatever it is, whatever it, whatever you ask, they will provide. Selfless service. Yeah. They're a total selfless service. Yeah. They're so amazing. Beautiful family I have. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was a great trip. 24 hours was, was great. And then went to Placid and that was an unbelievable experience. Did um, you like, I was like, did you even sleep? No, not really. You came home. You just looked like you had been yeah. Like an, at an all-nighter for like four well, days. Well, that's where it started, right? Because I did the overnight, the red-eye flight. And then I didn't get much sleep that night before yoga. And then I had the full day of travel to Placid with Billy. And then I was excited to see everyone. And then once, you're at, once I'm at a race like that, forget about it. I'm so juiced. Um, I love the energy, the vibe. I love meeting people. I love being with the team, training. And I think I swam every day. I just wore my bathing suit under my shorts the whole time so I could jump in the lake at, at any time. Yeah, it was a really good experience. Great to see Chris complete his first Ironman and Daniel crush another race. Just 
put his head down and um, had a really strong day. And we had a couple of friends there that were pros, and they both got paydays, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Yep, Alex. Alex Watt. And Troy. Who you've been training with. She's one of Hillary Biscay's athletes. And, and Troy. Uh, and Troy. And, um, I do have yeah, to talk he to him. He had a great race. Day. Oh, my God. He looked, so, he looked so beautiful running. I love to watch him run. And he had surgery on his hip like less than a year ago. So can't wait to see him shine again. I think he's doing Wisconsin. What were you going to say? So was Alex. Alex oh, cool. is doing Wisconsin too. Oh, I should probably cool. connect them too. Um, but Troy's got to shorten his name because on the tracker, he's got the longest name. It's like six names and it's like the tiniest print because they fit it all. If they just put Troy, he'd be like I know. right there. And if you, Troy was, <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes to our initial conversation with Troy back in like 2016, I think it was. In Boulder. And we go into uh, the story behind his name as Troy because his real name is Rodrigo Romero. Romero de la Cadena, I believe is his his full name, uh, which is a beautiful name. So still figuring that out. Uh, yeah, cool. And then you came home. We had like 24 so hours. So then we tag teamed. Yeah, you picked me up at the airport, came home, slept. Next day, I drove you to the airport. Yep. <laughs> and then you went to the Cape. Yep. Yep. I went to the Cape. And unlike you, I put a do not disturb sticky note on my bedroom door. And I say, do not come into this room because there's no privacy in my house. Like everyone is just, they'll just walk right in. It's it's like I'm, it's like I'm 12 again. And um, so I have to put notes on my door. Like do not, they know now it's like DND. I'm on DND, do not disturb. So I slept for a few hours and my sister was there uh, in from Denver. She moved to Denver recently. And uh, went to the beach, and then she left, like, on Friday. We had so much fun, though. We had so much fun. Like, her and my mom and I, one night, were just sitting crying. We were crying. Like, my face, it it was hurting. Like, it it got almost to a point where it wasn't fun because we were laughing so hard, um, which is really cool. My mom is 89, and she will... I mean, she'll take anybody on, man. She will run you into the ground. Her energy level is crazy. And you literally, if you go and you stay there, you have to beg her to go to bed. Like, meaning, I'm like, mom, please, I just want to go to bed. And like, she's up and she's watching Shark Tank and she's like ready to roll and she's like getting out the, you know, the Klondike bars and all this other stuff. And I'm like, mom, I don't want that. It's not vegan. She's like, really? It's vegan. Um, she tried to feed me a couple things that weren't vegan. And then um, I think she thinks that she is more vegan than she is. <laughs> but as she reminded me several times at 89 years old, she can do whatever she wants. And drinking wine every night is one of those things. So um, we had a good time. But it was a lot of um, – there was a lot of shark things going on. So it was like a lot of shark tank to the point where I started dreaming about Mark Cuban's face, um, like, and just really I'm disruptive. Oh, is he the host of it? He's one of the ju- – oh, you've never watched Shark Tank? I've never watched it. Well, it's all these, like, big, big-time, like, entrepreneur people, and then people go on, and they're like – they call them sharks. Like, hey, sharks, I've got this, you know, blah, blah, blah product, and it's going to hit the market. And then they're looking for investments. And – um and so I think there's like five or six of them. My mother freaking loves that show. And so, but it's like, uh, like we, there was one night where I think we watched five episodes and I was, my eyes were like bugging out and I'm like trying to go to bed. 
And of course the television is huge and the volume is like cranked and I'm like trying to go to sleep and I don't have that kind of stimulus in my life before I go to bed. <laughs> and so it was a lot. There's some disruptive sleep. Um, but I would get up every morning, set my alarm and get up every morning and I would get my meditation in and start the day clear. And the goal was just to be in service. So we had Shark Tank, but it was also Shark Week. And so when my mom wasn't watching Shark Tank, my dad was watching Shark Week. And so there was a lot of shark energy. And um, it was good that when I got home, we got right right back into the ocean. I was like, I'm just going to get into the ocean, even though my dad, again, volume super high, huge television, great white sharks everywhere. Um, the whole time, like I was there for a week. It was, And then when it wasn't Shark Tank, it was like the big al-Qaeda kill that happened, like the terrorists that they took down and oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was doing, I was, needless to say, I was doing some technique uh, while I was there and I love my parents. They are awesome and fiery and controlling and fun and they're a handful. Um, but it was a good trip. And then um, travel and Then you yeah. had your retreat? With the girls? Yeah. And then we had a one-day retreat. A couple people from the team came, Mira and Brendan. That was incredible. I think we had about eight people there that were with us in Costa Rica, and they were just coming together to, you know, reconnect and, you know, dive back in. And um, just so cool. It was amazing. And there's a new – anybody who's in Rhode Island or Mass area, new vegan restaurant in Bristol, Rhode Island called Foglia. Oh, it's so delicious. And they actually catered the event. And then Megan and Valerie and I went there for dinner that night and we met the chef and um, just really amazing. So yeah, that was good. And then I got home and I think like two days later I had like a PTSD attack. Yeah. From like all of a sudden I was like feeling all this overwhelm. Whoo. And so, like I said at the beginning, you know, you're not going to be immune to this just because you start on this path to be like, hey, I'm going to be in control of my mind. Um, so you just got to allow it, right? The easeful efforting, just allowing myself to feel that way. And it's just about a day or so. I actually I didn't even think it lasted a full day. Um, but just this unbelievable, like I could feel this like crazy, like panic, like overwhelm. Um, oh, it was terrible. It was a terrible feeling. And I just went walking and I think I did like an easy run and I think we went swimming and just trying to stay in, in flow and letting it be there and not indulging in all the thoughts about what it was, which I know what it was. It was a week of Shark Tank and Shark Week. It was travel. It was being in a plane with a lot of different energy and and yeah, that's got to that's gotta pass through. So um, yeah. And then... Uh, so that was a great, it was a good trip. It's a good trip. It's like, you know, being with family. It's like, <laughs> it's like going into an ashram for a week. Um, but make no mistake, I love my family very much. My brother was there and uh, I typically end up laughing my face off with him as well. He's hysterical. So it's a good crew, really good crew. Yeah. Um, hey, before we also get into deep, um, into this podcast, I want to just give a shout out to our Patreon community. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I, I mean, they've been with us. Did we start it with the podcast? Two thousand sixteen, or we? Started? I think it started around two thousand seventeen or so. So we've, you know, we've we've learned to 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 use this program, um, which was meant for podcasters, like to to build creators, um, creators to to support, like for YouTubers and 
podcasters. And uh, we've just had a steady flow of people who have just contributed to, um, to, to support us in so many ways. And the ebb and flow, some people are coming in from, you know, to practice yoga. Some people are, are supporting just, they just want to donate once, you know, give us something and then, and then move on. Um, and it's grown to support and hold your awake athlete community, which I think is, is, um, a gem. If you guys haven't checked that out, definitely look at the awake athlete community on Patreon. And then to see each month, you know, interaction, um, and to see some of our Patreon members at yoga, like Monday morning yoga at 7am, um, it's just bringing more community to Yogi Triathlete. There's so many ways to connect with us. Social media, the podcast, the Wake Athlete, Patreon, in person here in SoCal, um, yoga. There's just all of these avenues to, um, to connect and extend the community that we have purposefully on a mission created for, for ourselves um, and to be in service to others. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the Patreon community is solely responsible for this podcast and the Awake Athlete podcast being completely commercial free. So if you're enjoying that this is a uninterrupted stream when we have guests, when we do our O show, if you haven't listened to the Awake Athlete podcast, there's three seasons. Those are all short form, quick drops, anywhere from six to 25 minutes, I think at the longest. And all of those are commercial free because of our Patreon members. So whether you're at $5, whether you're at $225, like, thank you. There's, there's no way we would be able to do this without that. And, um, and we certainly do not take it for granted. And we hope that we are giving back some really good perks too, which I think we are. So check that out, yogi, uh, patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete if you are interested in more of that. And then um, we also have our Maui retreat coming up, which is going to be, by the time this launches, it'll be just about four weeks to Maui and we have four rooms left. So if this is something that speaks to you and you're just trying to figure out how to do it, reach out. Like there's no pressure um, reach out, like, let's see if we can, uh, work this for you. And, uh, if you feel like you really want to be there, then reach out. Let's see what we can do to get you there. We'd love to have you. It's the week before Kona. So for you athletes out there, not that this is a must for athletes, although I'm saying it's a must for athletes, uh, myself included, I will be there the week before I'm going to Hawaii for to race the world championships. It's I will be very, in uh, Maui. It's very Mark Allen of you because Mark Allen would be like with his shaman. On, in a volcano or something. Yeah. <laughs> when, and like meditating <laughs> yeah. and things like that before the world champs. And that's how I'm going to prepare. Yeah. That's exactly how I'm going to prepare. I'm going to prepare the mind. The body's already prepared. It's already set. So you'll have two yoga practices a day and you'll have at least two meditations a day. And then it, it probably... Most days you'll have two yoga classes per day. Plus a little bit of training. Oh, yeah, plus your training. I'll do a little but bit of training. I just think, like, that's amazing. Like, what that is the ultimate yogi triathlete way to prep for the world champs. And I just think that that's really incredible that you're coming. So, if you want to join us there, 
We got a couple people from the team. Coach Liz is going to be there. I know Chris that's coming um, is looking, he's bringing his bike. He wants to do some training with you. So, you know, you can make this like whatever you want to make it. If you just want to go in and do yoga and meditation, you can do that. If you want to do yoga meditation and train with beads, you can do that. So yeah, then we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And then um, we also just opened training camp. Training camp, 2023, January 12th through the 18th, 12th through the 16th. I want to extend it longer into my birthday, but 12th through the 16th. Yeah, it's super excited. So this will be year four. This will be year four? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I know. It's so cool. And that's based here in Carlsbad and that's going to be... It's very true to Yogi Triathlete. It's going to be swimming, biking, running, yoga, meditation, and amazing food. Um, we don't skimp at all. It's, yeah. And if you want to connect with anybody who's been in the past, let us know. And we'll connect you with people who have been in the past. If you want to reach out to Coach Daniel or Coach Liz, they've both experienced it as well, reach out to them. Um, and if you don't know how to do that, reach out to us and we'll get you guys connected. So if you want to just ask questions, but you don't want to do that with Beej and I, we'll get you, we'll get mm -hmm. you set up. Yeah. This is open and honest. You can, <laughs> you can even email us and say, Hey, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to coach Daniel. And we'll well, say, okay, go right, cool. Go right to him. Running on <laughs> Instagram, running on Venti and Instagram vegan powered athlete. Oh, yeah. Go right there. You don't even, you can bypass us, <laughs> go there, go ask them your questions. But I, I think there's no better place to be in the winter especially for you New Englanders, East Coasters, Midwesterners, in the brutal January weeks uh, to escape the snow and come to sunny Southern California for some sun and beach time. And we, we'll even swim in the ocean. It's plenty, plenty warm enough with a wetsuit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how warm it is. Bring your booties, but it'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah. it'll make you feel alive. Cool. So that's camp. Yeah. I what think else that we got? Catches us up. Well, we're just getting back from a race. Yeah. That you raced. Yeah. We still don't know the results on. Oh my God. You're so funny. 48 you're such hours a triathlete. later. You're such a triathlete. It'll come. The yeah. results will be posted. Yeah. We were talking about, so I did the Kodiak. Um, so Kodiak ultra marathons have like every distance you could imagine. No, no, except the 5K. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a 5K and they don't have a 200 miler, but they have a high. So this weekend, this past weekend, we were up in Big Bear and they have 100 mile, 100K, 50 mile, 50K, half marathon, 10K. Amazing. And I had heard about this race since uh, like almost as soon as I moved here, like when I started getting connected with trail runners. And I was originally signed up for the 50K. And Coming off at Mendocino, I had to take some time off of running and there was like one day probably like in, I think when I got back from Costa Rica, it just kind of hit me. I was like feeling like this, uh, like ramping up for an ultra was just not feeling good. It wasn't feeling right. And then I've got this thing in my head, like let your yes be yes. And so I thought, how can I let my yes be yes and also honor where I am and prep for Oregon and also, I want to do well in Santa Cruz, which is three weeks after this, you know, 50K that I was signed up for. And I think it was like June or so, I got on the website and I saw that there was a half marathon and I was like, okay, that's an option. 
But I just left it there. I just knew that's just an option. Stay focused on Oregon. And I could feel that part of my mind that just wanted to make the switch so I could feel that relief like, oh, but I just let it sit. And I just stayed focused on Oregon. And I said, just see how you feel after Oregon. And there were so many times that I wanted to talk to you about it. And I was like, just stay focused on Oregon. Just stay focused. And right before Oregon, um, so beginning of July, I emailed the race director and I said, you know, if, if I need to switch, can I switch? And she was like, absolutely no problem. Let me know by the end of July. And I was like, okay, great. And that was it. Didn't talk to you about it. Just stayed focused on Oregon. I came off Oregon, felt really good and had really felt that half marathon distance. And then knowing that travel was coming up and just feeling where I was as far as ramping up, I decided, I asked you, um, and we both agreed that doing the half marathon was was the right thing. And so, yeah, so I did that yesterday. And if you are looking for like a trail experience, like this was like a big mountain, high elevation in the high desert trail experience without the ultra miles, like this is your race. It was so cool. Because we're out there with 100 milers, which is just so legit. I think they had 18,000 feet of climbing at this 100 miler. And we got to see some of those guys coming in before the start. It was 15,000, wasn't it? Something crazy? 18,000. 18,000, yeah. Yeah, it was 18,000. And just like seeing these guys come in on Saturday morning after being out there since 5 a.m. One guy was crying. Friday morning. Yeah, I was like crying. I, I had chills. It was just so cool. So this is an uh, awesome, really well-run event in everything that is trail fashion, super great swag. Like you get your bag, you get your shirt, you get your stuff. And then they're like, oh, go under that tent and take whatever you want. And there was like glasses and there was squirrels and there was you know, tumblers, and there was just all this stuff. And they were like, yeah, just take whatever you want. Um, Just so chill. And to be in that, like, really cool environment, but not be doing, like, ultra distance, this is is your race. This is totally your race. It was really awesome. And a legit course, like a legit half marathon course. Yeah, that hill, I only saw the hill start and finish. Yeah, that was pretty Brutal. It looked pretty brutal to start. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it starts Straight on up. an uphill. Yeah. It goes three and a half miles up to 8,000 feet. And then you get on this ridge line. And it's like, remember that? Remember the dots up in yes. uh, in um, Netherlands that we used to yes. mountain bike? And it was just like really curvy and yep. amazing and like dirt and pine needles. That's how that trail was up top. It was so, it was like you were on a racetrack. It was so fun. It was a little bit of a mind bender though because I kept having to remind myself like, because it's this big mountain race, you're at high elevation, um, but you're, I'm not running an ultra. So I was like, "Oh yeah, like you need to like you need to keep pushing because you only have seven miles left. Like you don't have 27 miles left. Like you have seven miles. Like you got to go, girl. Like get it done." How was the elevation? Did that affect you at all? We talked a little bit about it, but uh, so using the we, re- we live at 33 feet. Yeah, we live at 33 feet. And, um, so the first thing I notice when I go to like high desert type places like that is just my body goes into like 
I just was super stuffed up. I was sneezing like 24 hours of like relentless. And then finally I was like, we got to find a Walgreens. Like I got to, I got to do something. So we went to Walgreens and I got like a nasal spray because I was just like, oh, like I don't know if I want to take a pill. And it was just a very overwhelming experience to see the selection of allergy remedies. Um, and then that, and this was great. So I got this like nasal thing and that cleared it up and I was fine. So that was the first thing I noticed. Anytime I go to Elevation and it's dry, so bright when we were in Bryce, anytime we go to St. George, because um, I think Big Bear's at about 6,500, mm-hmm. 6,600 feet. And then, um, so we started on the hill and I did not, I started running very, very slow and easy. And then all of a sudden it's like, all of a sudden you just feel it right? Like you're like, whoa, like you feel like you take the air in, but it's very thin. And so I was like, okay, walk. Because I knew that my success yesterday was going to be all about the first three and a half miles and pacing that. And I saw people were just running by me and they were running by me and they were huffing and puffing and they were doing exactly what I did in Mendocino at the Mendocino 50K when the wheels fell off at mile 10. They did exactly what I did was like they got their heart rate way too high and they just, you know, I fell apart up in Mendocino. But um, yeah, uh, then once I started hiking, it was it was really cool going up. So once you go up that road, you take a left, you go down a little bit, and then you hit the trail and it's just like up. Um, you get a lot of elevation quick. And there were people running and I was hiking. And I was hiking at like a 14-minute mile, which is actually pretty fast. And I was going, I was passing them. And they were huffing and puffing and I wasn't. And I was like, okay, like that's just confirmation. Like I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. And I kept asking myself, is this smart? Yes. Is this smart? Yes. Is this smart? Yes. Are you going too easy? No. And I kept looking at my, and I didn't let my heart rate get over like 162 on that climb. And Which then, is what for you? Like like Z4? Mm, high Z3. Yeah, I mean, it said the hold. I would ninety percent of the time I was at threshold. Yeah, which according to Koros is one fifty five to one seventy three. Well, also you're at elevation. But I so knew there's that a, there's a there's a an effort. Yeah. So it's going to boost up, in my opinion, five to ten beats. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just feeling my breath. I was completely under control. My breath was completely under control. I wasn't. <gasps> I wasn't doing that at all. Um. And then it just hit me. I was like, Oh my god, this is Palomar Mountain. Like I felt my glutes and I was like, this is Palomar Mountain. Like it wasn't, it was just steady. Like there was no, I didn't have to slow down. I didn't like, it was just like everything was turned on and my body was like, yeah, this is Palomar. This is what we do on Saturdays. Like we climb 11 miles straight, relentless, and it's fine. And and then there, whenever there was a time where it went flat and my heart rate would drop into like the 150s, I would run. And when I ran, I could run at a good pace. So I was like, this is awesome. Um, and then I would say once I got to the ridge and I started to push it, oh God, it was so fun. I just felt like a kid up there. There was a couple times where I was like, whoa, like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, am I going to, like, I might pass out. Um, but I just kept going. It was fine. So elevation, those are kind of the two times that I felt it. Yeah. I went for a, just a, a run around the neighborhood where we were and a minute in, I already felt it. And I was just doing an easy run. Well, you did a 14-mile run. Four, yeah, but I was 
a minute in. You did more than I did at the race. <laughs> but I, but this is so. This is the the parallel I want to I want to draw to your experience and mine is, even though we felt that, I don't give it a lot of attention. Like I understand I'm going to feel this. Like I'm, I feel this kind of swirliness. Just you 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 said it well. I think you just felt a little bit off or like heightened awareness. Yeah, I almost felt like I had like a caffeine high. Yeah, yeah. Like a little bit like, woof, whoa, don't really feel 100% in control. But then it settles down is my point. It doesn't become the focus. It's not like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do my run. I'm going to hyperventilate. I just got to, you know, stop. It's just working with that, working with that feeling. Um, The surprising thing is when we lived in Boulder, I never felt that. Like I don't, or I don't recall ever feeling that when we transitioned into living in Boulder. Right, because we were gym rats then. Yeah. You weren't a triathlete yet. No, but even when I became started to run and stuff, I don't really feel like I was anyway. The point is <laughs> the point is <laughs> I feel in my mind I've I've locked that in where it's not gonna affect me too much. So yeah, you I, didn't let it affect you. This whole your eyes and sneezing and blowing your nose and all of that wasn't derailing you into what experience you would have on the following day for race day. You just mm-hmm. kept moving from what, okay, what's the next thing I need to do? Yeah, like I got the, the peppermint store. oil and I was taking big sniffs of that and I was like, well, oh, that's not really working. But I was just kind of like, I don't know, just kind of enamored with watching how my body reacts and responds and figures it out for itself. Uh, and But then finally I was like, eh, I think I'm going to go to Walgreens. There's uh, there's some drugs out there that might clear up these symptoms. And so, and and because I don't, put any of that stuff in my body, I knew that it wasn't going to take much and that it would just like clear up. Um, but no, I don't get, I don't get caught up in, I mean, I didn't even know what the elevation was, I think, until we were driving up there. I was like, how high is Big Bear? You know? Um, and I'm not saying like disregard it. I knew I was going to be at elevation, but, um, I also knew that a big part of this was going to be nutrition. Right. Yeah. You really focused on that. Yeah. And using the right stuff also. um, Not just the right stuff, but. Yeah. The right stuff and using the right stuff. um, That stuff just continues to, it continues to to prove everything that it says in the pamphlet. Uh, For my experience, you know, another race where typically I would have a pounding headache after a trail race, especially at elevation. I had none of that again. Like that's crazy. Not crazy. It's awesome. So I knew that um, nutrition was going to be huge, and I wanted to also focus on getting in about 100 calories more than I normally do at a race. And I knew because it was a half marathon that I would be pushing an effort, and I wanted to see how my body responded to putting in more calories. So I did all of that. What did you take in? Okay. Yeah, give me a rough. So I wrote it down here so I don't have to do math. Okay. (laughs) We might have to do math though. So I took in, um, okay, so that morning I had applesauce, banana, scoop of protein powder, and then 24 ounces of goo roctane with a right stuff in it. So that was breakfast. Three hours before the race. Yeah, I had that at five o'clock in the morning. And then right before the race, I I ate a banana. So that's about 100, I think it's about 100, let's say 100 calories, 100 calories. And then... I wanted to really front load on the climb because I knew that would be a good time to take in um, nutrition. So 34 minutes in, I had already gone through a bottle. So Guroctane with a whole packet of right stuff in it and like a quarter of a bag of 
Gucci's. That was massive amount of calories in a short period of time. And then I just chilled because I was like, okay, just let the body absorb that. Got to the first aid station and had uh, Coke. So there's two aid stations on the half marathon course. I had Coke at both of those aid stations. So the total amount that I took in was, let's, should we count the banana? Yeah. Okay, let's count the sure. banana. Do you want to do the math? Sure. You think you can add it in your head? I will try my best. Okay, let's see. So the banana, 100 calories, a packet of goo chews, which was 180, three bottles of roctane, which was 750, two, I would say six ounces of Coke, which I looked up is about 120 calories total. And then, and that's it. And then three, uh, three packets of right stuff, which is not calories. That's mm. more sodium so electrolytes. Fifty in my head. Yeah. So, and the race took me two hours and forty minutes. So let's say eleven fifty. How would I do that? What would I divide it by? Two point four. If mm-hmm. it was two, sure. I do. Yeah, is that right? Oh my god, that's a ridiculous amount of calories. No wonder I was going to throw up. It was like 479 mm-hmm. calories an hour. Um, that was a lot. I definitely felt like I was going to throw up a couple times. Um, those Gucci's, I took them on my ride today and I was like, no, not ready yet. Not ready for the blueberry pomegranate Gucci's. But I just wanted to like, I wanted to push it. I wanted to take it to the max. Like how many calories can I get in? Well, I think the two things. One, when we listened, when we spoke with Amber Ferrer, she talked about being a small person and, and really fueling herself over and ab- above and beyond, um, and really planting the seeds because we've already had people comment about that podcast about whoa, mm-hmm. she really took took in that much. Uh, second is doing that at intensity, which you did. So not just taking in it during a long ride or a long run where you're at an easy pace cruising along, but actually use this stuff and see how your body interacts with it and digests it while you're putting it under stress. Yeah. Race pace stress. Mm-hmm. How does that work out? You know, that's that's where you're truly going to know what's going to happen on race day. I think the Gucci's were like, that's what was putting well, me. The Gucci's are similar to what you used when you did cordeline with the margarita blocks yes. from cliff and yeah. it didn't go well so i know i wouldn't incorporate those i didn't take any gels i think i could have gone i think i could I have do i could have run. done really well with what i had minus the gucci's yeah. um and that would have been what like three that would have been 180 calories left that still would have been fine i would have said said take um the liquid ones what is it called oh the and the um the liquid energy. The liquid energy. Yeah. I would say take one of those instead. Yeah. I But I purposefully was like, all right, let's just see. I kind of yeah. knew that was going to put me over the edge. But, um, but now you know. Like that's such a, what a great however, experience. I feel like I recovered really well. I mean, my quads are incredibly sore right now. But that's the first time. You didn't say they were sore yesterday in the car. They you weren't. didn't say them last night. You didn't say it this morning until. No, this morning. You walked down the stairs. Yeah. Well, when I, I think walked you walked down, down the stairs and then down the stairs. And then you're like, whoa. Yeah, I had to use my go-to walk down the stairs backwards. If you, That is the trick. If you don't know that trick, if your quads are super sore, because the last three miles of this race is downhill, which I love. So I just like let it rip. And when so I think I, I paced it really well. I executed the race really well, really well. Um, so two hours and 41 minutes on my watch, but I don't know what official results are or where I placed. 
How are you doing with that? I'm fine. How are you doing with that? I'm fine. <laughs> You're not fine. You're not fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll be up at some point. Yeah, they will. We were laughing yesterday because we were thinking about all the things that would be like unacceptable if these if these things got and really, I mean, logistically, it's not going to work to have a. I mean, maybe it would, but a coupless race at an Ironman. I don't think that would fly. That I mean, it would work, but people would have to stop. There would be lines because, I mean, you know, there's thousands of people. But the result's not being up. Right. Um, yeah, no mile markers. There's no mile markers. You have no idea, like, where you are on the course. Um, but it was great. It was so great. Great volunteers. Would you do it again? I would do it again. Yeah. How did you feel about it? Yeah, definitely was a cool venue, I think. And just the energy there was was pretty cool. Definitely was a party scene at the end of the race. You know, the big beer ambulance. Yeah, there was um, an ambulance that was, like, was basically was just there? a huge keg. Um, they were but making Athletic co- Brewing was athletic there too. Was there. They were making Kodiak cakes uh, afterwards. Um, definitely the vibe was awesome. And the town is... It, it, I journaled about this this morning or yesterday just about how much of Big Bear... The drive up the town and running around the loops of the neighborhoods reminded me of all the places that we've, the mountain towns we've stayed at, visited, lived in, like Fraser Valley, Winter Park, um, uh, Coeur d'Alene, you know, times when we spent in Coeur d'Alene, uh, up in New Hampshire when we would do hikes, hikes and camping when we were younger. Um, I just, it, it just brought back a lot of memories of those, of those times, um, and experiences. Uh, and the feel-good moments, because they all felt good. Like, And I felt good being in that town. It was cool. It was definitely different. Um, I would say the one thing was the lake, you know, just really, really low. I was surprised at how low Big Bear Lake is, like really low. You can see the docks um, from the vacation homes that lead should be leading to the water, but they there's a lot of uh, beach uh, or grass grassy land area before you actually get to the water. So that was quite, quite shocking to me. Yeah. I guess they've had some flooding, some monsoon weather there, a little bit, some, some rain, but it looks like they really need water. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're really seeing, you know, climate change in these, these lakes and big bear for sure. Um, Yeah. And then the actual water itself looked a little off. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming because there's less of it to disperse what's ever in it. When you bring it down to less water, everything gets more concentrated. So I would assume that's why there was just a different coloring. Yeah. Coloring I mean, it wasn't it. stopping people for their, the party boats were out. They have a party boat. Yeah. <laughs> party time. <laughs> and we, uh, we found a cool place to get a smoothie afterwards, which was great. We actually stayed in a really cool place too, this little tiny cabin. Tiny house. I had some people reach out after I posted that photo asking what it was like to live in a tiny, tiny house. And we've lived in, we haven't lived in, but we've rented tiny spaces all along our journey across the country. Um, and I, and I, I think a big element of it is just having less. If you have less in your life, like you live with minimal stuff, then to go and live in a space with your significant other and 70 pound dog isn't really a big deal. Like you really make good use of space. Typically there's, or most often there's only one other door in these little tiny places and that's the bathroom. So if you need privacy, 
get used to sitting, you know, on the toilet working on your computer as as a quiet space if someone's napping or doing a conversation or and we make use of the space so well. We had the yoga mat in the kitchen area. Um yeah, I think you just got to make good use of good use of space and just have less. Just live minimally. Yeah, and you know, I packed one one outfit that I was going to race in. And then when we did the shakeout run, I wore my that one outfit. I only had trail shoes, so even though we ran on the road that night, I ran in my trail shoes. You know, I I brought one pair of shorts, I brought one t-shirt, like so it was I brought one pair of yoga pants. Like it was uh we just had a backpack each. And then Clark had his bag. So it's not like we're going in there with suitcases and all this stuff. Um, you can pack minimally. And we were just up there for a couple nights. So, but even if you're up there for a week, right? Like we how many times have we washed our clothes in the shower and then hung them out to dry and then wore them the next day or not wash them mm-hmm. at all and wore them the next day? Yeah. <laughs> and then just making good use of all the stuff that you have, like pans. You know, we didn't have a dishwasher in this place. So it's like keep using stuff, keep using stuff until you need to wash it and wash it, dry it, wipe it clean, and then let it dry and use it again the next day. So, yeah, it really is cool to stay in these places um, and get an experience for for living tiny. I think I think even us who I, I I would say we do a good job at it can even get better at it. You know, I brought a I brought too many clothes for sure myself. Um, I probably brought half my wardrobe. I have a small wardrobe, but it was just it's just do you really need all these things? And you don't. You really don't. No, and I, even the way I packed nutrition was I put, I calculated how much I was going to need and I scooped out the Roctane, put it in Ziploc bags, and then I like went through all of that. So it was like the nutrition bag was pretty much empty except for the couple gels that I didn't take on the race. So it's not like we were lugging up all this, these big containers. Like we just kept it really minimal. We knew the place was going to be small. It was tiny, but I didn't feel cramped. No. No, the layout was really well. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So um, I know you wanted to talk about a little bit about consistency. Well, yeah. We, do we have time for that? Yeah. I think it's the cornerstone <laughs> of being a successful athlete is this consistency. And I know it's something we have mentioned before, but what sparked it in this particular instance is you being able to jump into a half trail marathon and still be able to crush it without actually running a ton of trail miles and running 13 miles or 14 miles at a time um, and being able to go out the next day after this race and bike for three hours as recovery. So that's only possible. Um, there's a, a few things at play, diet, stress, um, uh, mindset, attitude, but I really feel when you're consistent, like you're consistent in the training, no matter what it is, you can sort of jump. You know, you can't sort of. You are capable of jumping into any type of race uh, that that you feel compelled to participate in. Like this ebb and flow of of you just. The week leading up and what was on paper would not say you're going to be able to run 
super strong on the trails, right? So someone would look at that and be like, well, you haven't really been running trails. You haven't been running downhill. Um, your longest run has been, I don't know, <laughs> I think seven it was or like eight miles. Not even. I think my not longest run six. was like six. Yeah. So, but what allows you to do that is consistently doing something every day that that may not seem valuable or it may not seem like from the data that it's moving you forward, but it is. Like translatable. Because like Thursday yes. morning before we left, we did a big set Monster in the pool. Swim. Like yeah. hard set in the pool. Um, and then the race was Saturday. That was Thursday morning. And then we drove. And But, but that's fitness. Like that's – I knew I was going to rest on Friday. And I, and I knew it wasn't going to take much for me to pop. And you knew that – you trusted that the swim was exactly what you needed, not just for the race on Saturday, but for Santa Cruz and because we're driving in a car for a few hours. Like you knew that this swim was, had a purpose behind it. So you didn't get caught up in, well, I need to save my energy for the race on Saturday. Like I'm not going to do a swim. I, I, I I'm just going to save it, um, for race day. You trusted that this has a purpose in, in your journey to this race and beyond this race. Well, it Does was, that make sense? Yeah. Well, it was funny too because when we got in and we did, you know, it's you know it's a long set when you're like 2,000 in and you haven't even hit the main set yet. And so we hit the main set and it's a set of 300s. And the first one you're like, how's that? I'm like, eh, like it was all right. Um, I wasn't feeling super, super like, I don't know. It just, it felt, it felt harder. And uh, it was funny because – I got into the second set and I had sent um, our friend who was racing Tremblant a message on Instagram and I, and, uh, or I had thought about it, I hadn't sent it yet, but I wanted to just send her like, you are a river of boundless energy, right? Like go out there and get it. And I remember that I was like, that's not just for her, that's me. I'm a river of boundless energy. Like, Heck yeah, like take your own medicine, Jess. I do that often. I got to take a sip of my own medicine. And um, yeah, and then it was fine. And then the last 300, which was all at 90% with sighting and deck up and blah, 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 was uh, like the best one. But this is, this is it. Like you have to consistently, you have to consistently show up every day so that you can have these moments when it doesn't add up, it doesn't seem like it adds up on paper, but it is, it is the thing that is necessary for you to, to, to achieve the goals that you want. So consistency, consistently doing something. This is something I've done recently for athletes is I've created this momentum run. Okay. It'll actually go on their training peaks plan. It says momentum run. That's the name of it. It says 15 minutes. 15 minutes is less than 1% of your day. Go longer if you can. If you have time, go longer. If you feel good, go longer up to whatever. But get this momentum run in. And I usually put it in there because I see a trend in consistently being all or nothing. Right? This all or nothing is something that uh, I bump up against a lot as a coach. Uh, I see it in a lot of athletes. It's it's either going to be all full gas or it's going to be nothing at all. You know, it's either all, I'm going to do the six-hour ride or I'm not going to do any ride for six days. You know, it's this, this playing and they, they have this desire to move away from all or nothing, 
right? They, they see that consistency is important and they understand that consistency is important, but they can't quite grasp how to get from all or nothing to being consistent. And that's where I was thinking about this today on the ride is we're just the all or nothing um, athlete is consistently being all or nothing. So they're consistently practicing. They've got the consistency. They're doing it. They're being consistently all or nothing. Great. We can work with that. Like your work, you are consistent, but it's, it's just aimed at a, at a, at something that isn't serving you because all or nothing is, I have never seen it be successful in an athlete. I haven't seen, I haven't seen someone who goes and does like their weekend workout and then does nothing during the midweek and doesn't end up with some sort of injury or, um, um, some sort of something going on in their, in their life that just, intercepts and then they're not actually able to perform on race day. So this consistent pattern can can build in an athlete if you just have if you can just remove yourself or let's take your awake athlete theme and pull 10,000 feet up and say, "Okay, well what's really going on here? I see myself doing all or nothing. It's either like I'll, I'll do a workout or I don't do anything for days. But I do know that I feel good when I actually get a workout in. So where is the hiccup? The hiccup is usually in the mind is not satisfied with 15 minutes. It's dissatisfied with doing nothing. So it can't find that, it can't find that middle ground. It can't say, well, something is still helping and moving me forward. So you look at the all or nothing athlete, let's just say, they go through a week, they don't do anything. Then you look at the, the athlete that's, uh, that's all or nothing and says, well, I'm just going to go try this out a little bit. So they run 15 minutes, seven days a week. That's an hour 45. An hour and 45 minutes of running versus zero running. Which athlete is building momentum and is beginning to satisfy that desire, that craving, that um, understanding that, they, that they're a better person when they start to move the body? right? person who did an hour, 45 minutes. And you don't know where that's going to take you. Let's just say one day you're out there for 15 minutes and a meeting got canceled on your phone. You get an alert. Oh, great. Now I can finish this run. I don't have another meeting for, you know, an hour, for an hour from now. I'm going to go get 15 or 30 more minutes in. That's a 45 minute run. All of a sudden now you're at a 45 minute run when you didn't think you would have, um, didn't think you would have the time. And I think time is a constraint in this in this all or nothing um, situation too, but what it does? What's your take on kind well, of what I, think, I just explained? Uh, no, it's it's true, and the only time that because a lot of people do come to us when they come and they say I'm all or nothing, and I want to be more consistent. Like that's one of the goals when we get the intake. I want to be more consistent, but the only time you can be consistent is when you're right up in front of that habit. Yes. It's yes. right there that habit that says I'm not going to do it and you do it. And that's where the shift begins. And then you're going to be right up in front of that habit again, again. and then you're going to do it and then it's and then what happens is that that pathway now begins to form literally in the brain and then it becomes easier. Um there's a 
there's an episode in season three of Awake Athlete. I can't remember which one it is. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but it's kind of like we're masters of habit. Like we are, we don't have to, we don't need to read books about what understanding habit. Like we're already masters of a habit. It's just what habits, kind of full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning, like what habits are we are we feeding? Um, <clears throat> and so you got to interrupt those patterns that that no longer serve you. And then if you're working in an office, like I just had this thought when you were like, oh, you know, I have an hour. Like I don't have a meeting for an hour. Like let's say you're in an office building, like in your desk drawer, have sneakers and a singlet and your running shorts. And then also have um, Burt's Bees little wipes and some essential essential oil and maybe some dry shampoo, right? Like that's what I would do a hundred percent. Um, a little dry shampoo if your hair gets sweaty or oily and then some peppermint and lavender, maybe lemon for that super fresh smell. And then those Burt's Bees wipes, like that's a shower, baby. That's better than a shower because also your immune system is going to build because you're rewilding a little bit because you're not washing everything off. So yeah, it can be done. And when I was home on the Cape and I was with my parents and, um, you know, wanted to spend time with them, I was going out for short little runs, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, like 15 minutes. Like one day I had, I kind of had had it with the whole Shark Week Shark Tank thing. And I was like, I have got to get out for a run. And I went out and I was just, sw- I mean, humid, 6 p.m., I go out running on Cape Cod. Like I got swarmed by mosquitoes. Like I was batting them away and I could feel like there was like 50 in my hand when I was batting them away. And I was just like, I intend no harm. Like I don't, I didn't want to harm any of them. I just, oh, and I lasted about 15 minutes, but I came back and I was like, all right, that was 15 minutes, like 15 minutes. It's amazing. And I think I got like my long run in that week and it was five miles. And so all of those things added up to the success that I had yesterday. So it it does matter. And that 30-minute ride that you did last night when you came home, that did matter. And today I had a three-hour recovery ride along the coast and it was magnificent. Like I think my heart rate was like under 120, 115. A lot of times it was like 107. It was so awesome. And I was just going super easy. Everybody was passing me and I was just taking in the view and I was like, this is going to help so much. And even though like my quads are so sore, like hitting my leg over the bike, I was like, oh my God. But, um, but yeah, like all of that is going to pay massive dividends when it comes to race day. When it comes to Santa Cruz and the reason why is your legs were already taxed. So why would you want to go out and ride and and put more stress on them. So you're going to get enough stress just from riding easy for three hours. Like that's, that's the reasoning behind backing these two things up. You had a three hour day yesterday. You have a three hour day today. That's six hours, six hours. That's awesome on the body, um, within a 24 hour, uh, time period. So that's, that's what's so, um, beautiful about, uh, being a consistent athlete as you can do these things. And I think that's back to your, when you address the intake form, like that's what we see a lot from athletes. It's like they have this ebb and flow and, and I, I, most times it, it, it comes to injury. Ebb and flow will, will bring injury because you go too hard or you go too, too short, too quickly or too long, too quickly. And then you're working through body sensations. So when you're able to be consistent, you can, 
you can continually train and do stuff every day and then slightly raise the bar and then lower it. Slightly raise the bar. Raise the bar meaning put some intensity in there and then adapt. Put some intensity in and then adapt. And then you get to the point where you get um, several, several sessions during the week where you can begin to sprinkle in intensity and make big improvements in your performance. But you got to get that solid foundation of consistency so that you're durable and and your default is consistent consistency your default is consistency uh i remember when i worked at in my corporate job i always had my running stuff with me every day i had a run, my running stuff and my yoga stuff with me every day if i got out early i'd be able to shoot up to your class and take your yoga class so i always had that stuff with me all the time and i always took um I took a lot of essential oil showers when, when I first yeah, thing in the like morning, a like face to get into work. That's all you need with some warm water, and you put some peppermint and lavender, and just rub your whole body, and then get some yummy lotion. Like and, that's amazing. And Josh, if you're listening to this, you you were behind me when I was at my standing desk. You got the brunt of the essential peppermint oil always. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you benefited from it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, the consistency, um, well, this just snowballs. I, I know we got to wrap this up. Um, but it really gets, I like the deeper meaning of all of this consistency because then you start to realize an athlete, um, is this what you want to be doing? Like really, it really opens up that question of like, is this really what I want? Like, mm-hmm. do I want to be that athlete that works out all the time and, you know, doesn't get injured and and feels good and and um, feels uh, joyful and energetic and and get real with yourself because if you're if you're constantly ebbing and flowing with all or nothing you're kind of I would assume you're in a state of like I want this I want this but I can't do it I can't do it. I want this and so you've got this inner inner turmoil going on and that's creating stress a level of stress in your life. So ask yourself if it's something you really want. Maybe it's not something you want. Maybe it's something you think you want. But in reality, you kind of like the way that life is rolling out for you. And and that's okay too, is my point. Give yourself a break. Like you don't have to be forcing yourself into a situation um, that doesn't feel comfortable. Does that make sense? Like like allow yourself to just be happy. Um but I think as athletes, we have this desire to, to, to be better, to be better. And a lot of times we're the ones holding, holding ourselves back yeah. through our actions and habits. Well, 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've lived that too, right? It's weird. It's like when you're trying to change something like that and you butt up right up against like who it is that you really want to be and that even though you have that desire, sometimes it's like the desire is enough, but it's not enough because it's going to keep, it's going to create a lot of stress. Um, and eventually that will manifest in the body. And typically what we see is injury, but um, this allowing of ourselves to be who we really want to be, there's something really interesting there. Um, I've butted up against it too. Like, whoa, it's right here. And I can see myself backing away from it. Like, oof. Like, whoa, she's right there. Like, she's everything I say I want. And then I feel that, like, you start to back away from it and you start to go back into this kind of uh, comfort zone, which is a really, really a discomfort zone. Um, So, you know, 
we, I, I know I can speak to that. So, you know, again, like reach out anytime you guys, um, we're happy to, to walk through this life with you and doesn't have to be a one-sided conversation. We'd, we'd love to, uh, have it be more than that. So, but if you're interested in like a deep dive, then come to camp or come to Maui or come see us at a race. We'll be in Kona. We'll be in St. George and we'll be in Arizona. In Santa Cruz. Oh, in Santa Cruz. Yeah. I've been talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think we covered that. Great. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. Take us out. Bye for now. 